The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GoRuck. GoRuck designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, including footwear, apparel, and rucks. Oh, a backpack. Like a backpack, if backpacks were made to last under the toughest conditions in the world. Mm. Everything they make is backed by their Scars Lifetime Guarantee and is tested and proven over and over and over again at GoRuck's events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GoRuck brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GoRuck link to learn more about their gear and events, and a portion of every purchase and event registration that you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. It's uh, it's officially post-Thanksgiving, which means it is now appropriate to greet you all with Merry Christmas. Merry oh. Christmas, everybody. Uh, happy holidays. God bless. Oh, how dare you, sir. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. So, hey, buddy. Hello. How's it going? Hello. How are you? Dude, I'm so full still from Thanksgiving. Dude, we, haven't ta- we haven't talked for a minute. Because uh, I've been enjoying this time away. Hence this <laughs> short episode. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Well, uh, listeners, this, of course, is the Solid Sum Podcast, a better than average podcast. But just barely. Just barely. Each week we get together, but not this week. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about whatever's going on in the world that interests us. But... After 35, 36 weeks, depending on how you're counting, of straight episodes, we decided uh, that uh, last week, Thanksgiving week, uh, we were going to take some time off and hang with uh, the fam, hang with the friends. Not that we're, I mean, I, we're friends, I, I guess. But I didn't friends. hang out with any friends this week. <laughs> I literally hung out with my wife and Kuma for days and it no, was awesome no friends giving huh none and this is my fr- i think you. first year in a long time so. i have not been invited to a friends giving and i didn't notice it till today earlier today i was like oh yeah i was invited to one and i didn't feel sad so if you were thinking of inviting me and you did it and you felt bad i doubt it but <laughs> i didn't feel embarrassed or left so. out well, as our as our regular listeners know, uh, we typically record. Though we've been bouncing around a bunch lately, but we typically record Thursday evenings. This past Thursday, when we would have recorded for this week, was of course Thanksgiving, and so we treated ourselves to a week off. We didn't uh, we didn't record a fresh episode, but we're still the Solid Seven Podcast. Emphasis in this instance on the word solid. We like to deliver you guys just top notch or near top notch. Uh, content every week and there's no exceptions so um, last week we had our good friend uh, Adam we call him just Adam on though at this point the cat's out of the bag I mean he tags yeah. himself on on Instagram but uh, we call him just yeah, Adam. We had, we, we had just Adam on last week and uh, had a great time with him and uh, we're remembering uh, as we were talking to him that uh, the last time he was on uh, towards the end of the episode, I, Josh knew this because they've known each other forever. I didn't know this, uh, but one of them, I think it was you, Josh, just casually mentions that Adam got kidnapped when he was like yeah. three. That's how the episode uh, actually will start in a moment. Is that's yes. that's how I that's I'm like you bring it well, up real quick. I'm like, well, that that seems like a story worth telling. So in that instance, uh, we decided that we'd hang on to that story and put it on Patreon because we love our Patreon supporters, and so we treat them to super cool content all the time but it's been it's been a minute since patreon got a hold of that one. that was episode 25 for patreon so it's been a minute it's been a while yeah so uh this week instead of just saying hey we're we're taking the week off see you guys next week no no that's not how we do things here at the solid seven podcast yes we took the week off but uh we're still gonna hook you up and so this week we're gonna share the uh i think it's fair to say quasi incredible story of uh, it's a pretty entertaining story yeah adam being kidnapped when it was like national news. Yeah, you can uh, you can Google the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy and uh, pretty entertaining and you know, spoiler alert, you know, we we got him we got him back, folks. He he actually he's telling the story, guys. So <laughs> yeah. it turned out okay. Liam yeah. Neeson got him with now, his specific set of skills. 
Aren't we still going to title this week's episode Solid 7 True Crime Edition? Yes, we are. Of course. But, uh, it's, already, but it's already there. Why, why, yeah. why fix it if it ain't broke? Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, he, we, we got it back. But still an awesome story worth hearing. So hope that you enjoy it. We'll be back with some fresh content and another guest uh, next week. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, we're still, uh, we're still on the path. We're still going to crack our Jocko Ghost. Just like that. We're just, we're just not going to drink them with you. Yeah, you drink them. We'll, uh, we'll sit here and listen with you quietly. Yes. We'll listen to ourselves with Adam, with you Maybe. guys. Let me get that first sip. Let me. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to tease That's... our next guest uh, for anticipation? Because he's booked. He's he's calendar accepted. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much of a tease that is, but well, it's been uh, a minute. He has not yeah. been on. He is a former guest, but I think he's a our minute. Is he our OG guest? Was he the first person we had on? No, like proper. Oh. He might have been. He might have been. And he was definitely our first repeat guest, but uh, our good buddy, Pastor Michael Williams, be back on with us uh, next week. And always a good time with Mike. Been way too long since he's been on. So he'll he be back with us next guest. week. He was our first guest. Wow. He was, yeah. for episode one and two, was just you and I. What a bore. And then Mike was on episode three. Then he came back on episode six, and he has not listened to the podcast since. Look at that. Yeah. It all comes around. Yeah, there's never a text from Mike like, hey, really enjoyed this week. No, that's not a thing. No, but he has, he is calendar <laughs> accepted. It was his birthday yesterday. And, uh, and, uh, so he's excited. I texted him and he said he's excited to be on. So it'll be great. Look at that. So, uh, working on some, some other guests. So we've got stuff in the works. We really appreciate y'all listening. So keep listening. Uh, hit up, uh, you know, sound7podcast.com and you can uh, find our Instagram there, our Twitter, our Patreon. Uh, there's links right to, uh, go ruck there. If you, if you want to snag some gear, uh, for yourself or somebody else, hey, treat yourself. But it's the, it's Christmas season. So if you want to, uh, snag some go ruck gear, hit up an event. Those links are right there. Um, if you want, to hit up Origin or Jocko Fuel or get yourself uh, some Jocko Go. Those links are right there on Solid7Podcast.com too. That's Solid, the number seven, podcast.com. You know, if you're on social media, we'd love for you to give us a follow. Uh, Like the post, comment on the post. From what I understand, the algorithms like that. Whatever the ghosts in the machine are, the more engagement they see with posts, the more likely they are to show other people. So, uh, you know, please uh, like and repost and, and all that social media type stuff, whatever that is. But uh, if you do go hit up uh, Origin Maine again, hey, it's it's Christmas time. So hit up Origin, hit up Jocko Fuel, use uh, our promo code, our coupon code SOLID and the number seven, S-O-L-I-D-7, and they'll give you 10% off. We'll give you 10% off. We're, we're givers. I, now, I don't, I don't know where you're giving. at. This might not be true in a blue state, but in a red state such as ours, 10%, that basically that makes your purchase more than tax-free. We're paying wow. the tax for you. Wow. We're taking we're taking care of it. Wow. Uh, that might a legal disclaimer. I don't know if that's true or legal, but you do get a 10% discount. So it's I'm not paying we're not paying the tax. I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's above my Please figure. don't shut us down. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. you just made a left-right comment, so we're done. And over. It was fun. So, it was good while it lasted. Enjoy this repeat yeah. episode. <laughs> we, we that's why. That's the real one. reason we got It'd canceled. Be nice. It'd be nice to be freed up for the holidays, I guess. So, but listeners, we love you. We mean it. We'll we'll be back strong next week. In in the meantime, enjoy this awesome story uh, from just Adam. Josh just casually mentions, <laughs> "Hey, you know Adam got kidnapped as a kid." <laughs> No, no, I did not know that Adam got kidnapped for a kid. Well, it was a joke because, like, um, you we were talking about the Green Berets and the Seals, um, and I was like, "What are the?" Because you said you have a soft spot for the Green Berets. I'm like, "What?" Because Green Berets saved you when you got kidnapped, mm-hmm. and then they actually did. Yeah, so I'm running to the end of the story, but I was I just wanted to clarify real quick. Well, so okay, so there there is one thing that I do want to clarify also, right? So I mentioned Green Berets as well as Delta Force. And there is a there is a difference, right? Green Berets are, are special forces. They're Army Special Forces. They're SF, right? The Green Berets are, are fairly large all across the world. Delta Force is a small contingent of the greater force of Green Berets. So Delta Force are like these specialized special guys, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So Delta Force contributed to my recovery. Ah, when I was kidnapped. Okay. There gotcha. were there were some yeah, some, yeah. That's well, dope. We'll, 
We'll get. We'll get. Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll <laughs> we'll get there. Jumping. Well, in I'm. I'm leaning back. I'm going to get comfortable for this. I want to hear. Okay. Even I mean, do, do you want me to just go into the whole the whole deal? Start it. Start from the start from the top. You're okay. laying in bed. Man breaks down the door, <laughs> grabs you, throws you in a rolled up rug. <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's not quite as dramatic. Um, okay, so I mean, I'll I'll kind of talk about it in the same way that like. I've always known. My mom also wrote a book about it, um, which, gosh, you know, to this day, it's it's like it, it, there there got to a point where she was writing the book, and she was speaking with a publisher, and they were re- getting ready to publish, and my mom was just like, eh, I don't know, and then just <laughs> just kind of stopped. I hate money, and well, and, you know, and obviously, in my mom's defense, this is a very traumatic thing for her. You know, I was I was sure. a, I was a kid. This was 1994, right? So I was three years old, going to be four years old. So as far as trauma goes, this this is just things that I know happened, not really things that I remember. If that makes sense, you know, okay. there's like a lot of news clippings. There's there's video footage that I've seen. Um, you know, we were on, there was a talk show in the early 90s called Donahue, which was like very similar to Oprah Kale. You might remember it from when you were in your yeah. 30s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> um, we, we were on Donahue. There, there's an episode that I distinctly remember my mom had, re- or my grandma had recorded it on VHS after I had gotten back. And my mom was talking to Donahue about the entire thing. And I'm just sitting on the stage playing with a, a Power Ranger toy. You know, so none of this yeah. is like traumatic to me. I, I there's organizations that my mom and I entered that like were for support and things like that that I made f- lifelong friends that I, I I still am in touch with on Facebook and stuff like That's that. That's how we met. Day. I was kidnapped too. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, not. Nah, let's make it about me now. Let's make it about Josh. <laughs> um, you know, so but as far as trauma goes, this it, for me, it's just always been something that I've known. But for my mom. And especially going into the details of like the history behind it and like family histories and things like that um, was was very difficult for her, right? And so I think that as she was writing this book, because she wrote this book uh, as a letter to me, right? Because I I never grew up um, knowing my 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 father, who was the one who kidnapped me, um, and so she wrote it as a book to like tell the story of, of her upbringing and his upbringing and how they met and why they were so vastly different and then why things happened and then how they happened and then today, right? Um, so I think that's part of the reason why once she got to the point of her book almost being published, she pulled back and she was like, actually, I don't know if I'm ready for this, right? Because I mean, you could imagine she was she was 21 when she had me, right? And so so let's 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 go back, right? I'll tell this whole story as if you know, I'm reading the book to you. Um, so my mom is was born in California, and uh, she was born to a very um, a very California, L.A., Los Angeles Mexican family. And if you know anything about Mexican culture or Hispanic culture, we're very passionate people. Um, she was raised Catholic, and when she was 21, she was uh, 20 or so. She was working at the Sizzler, which was a restaurant out there. And around that time is where she met my father, Haytham. And my father immigrated to the United, the United States when he was 19. Um, you know, he was brought up on a very uh, how would you say it? A, a really conservative Muslim ideology when he was when he was growing up, right? And that's nothing extremist, nothing bad, just vastly different from my mom's Catholic Hispanic upbringing, right? And so anyway, so when they met, he was twenty eight years old and she was twenty 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 one around there. Um, he was an engineer. Uh, architectural engineer and they met at the restaurant they just kind of hit it off they fell in love and you know one thing led to another and uh, she got pregnant they got married and she tried to adopt this lifestyle that wasn't really suited to her Um, you know like I said when when my father came here he had this extremely different upbringing but over the years you know he, he moved here when he was 19 and they met when he was 28 so there was a lot of time where he experienced western culture and it opened him up to a whole broad new world so to speak 
right? And it changed him. And so once I was in the picture, once I was born, he decided, I want to raise my son the way that I was born, the way that I was brought up. And that didn't really jive with the way that my mom grew up and the way that my mom's just upbringing culture is. And so my mom tried, you know, she, she converted to Islam. She learned Arabic. She, there's, you know, pictures of her when she was younger, where she's wearing the full hijab and she's, she really tried to take on this role as a traditional Muslim mother. She wanted to support him and she wanted to do right by me. And, you know, if you think about yourself when you're 21 years old and you have a baby, you're going to, you're going to follow this older person that seems like they have their stuff together and they, they seem like they're no, they know what they're doing. Right. Um, but obviously there was a lot of tension because my grandma is a very strong or she was a, she was a very strong woman and she knew like, this doesn't work. This isn't, this isn't who my daughter is. This isn't going to work for our family. Um, you know, so over time, just kind of tensions wore down and eventually my mom realized, you know what, this isn't, this isn't what I want. This isn't the relationship that I want with, with a husband. This isn't the way that I want to raise my son and this isn't who I am. And so the relationship frayed and eventually they got divorced and they, you know, kind of parted ways. And, you know, we did this whole weekend visitation kind of thing. And I think after reading the book and, you know, when I, when I turned 26, um, I, I met my father for the first time in person and I talked to him a lot about, about everything. And my father at that time was scared. He was, he was 28 years old and he was like, I just lost my family. You know, I, more than anything, I wanted to raise my son the way that I thought was best and now it's gone. And so out of fear, a way to kind of scare my mom, he decided that on a random weekend visitation when I was there, he packed up everything, he put us on a plane, he flew us to Iraq. And he didn't tell her, he didn't tell anybody. And my mom had no idea. So when she came back to pick me up Monday morning, I was gone. And she went to the condo and the entire condo was cleaned out. There was no furniture, no Jeez, nothing. Dude. Yeah. So for her, this this obviously was, was a super traumatic event, man. I mean, like, I'm gone. Out of nowhere, her, her, her three, four-year-old kid is gone and she has no idea where we are. She has no means of getting in contact and is, is losing her mind. And at the same time, me being a little kid, I'm just happy to be on a plane hanging out with my dad. You know, I'm not thinking anything more of it. And he, so he takes us to, to Iraq. Um, if I remember right, he's, he's, his family was outside of, of Baghdad. And at the time, you know, everybody pictures Iraq as like this very desolate, uh, you know, pretty grim war zone type of area, but it wasn't that. From what I from what I know, from what I've heard, from what everybody's told me, it, it I was in no means in any danger or anything. It was like in ninety four, so like it wasn't two thousand one Baghdad, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, um, you know, Desert Storm happened in like ninety two. Oh yeah, true. It, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't the safest environment, but at the same sure. time, it wasn't what people picture from the movies. And right. you know, he had his family there. His mom was there. Um, and from what everyone has told me when I got there, I was treated like a, a prince, you know, everybody was so happy to see me and I was, I was given all this love and attention and, and, and admiration. You know, I was, um, you know, I was, I was their grandkid that they'd never seen before. And from my, my father's perspective, um, you know, he had, he had a few different siblings, his, his oldest sibling who I was named after Lath, uh, his oldest sibling was, uh, involved in the Iraq, Iran war. And he was in the Iraqi army. He was taken a uh, prisoner. He was a prisoner of war and he was never heard from again. Wow. And so from their perspective as a family, like this is, this is at least from like my grandma's perspective, right on, on my dad's side, this is like my my eldest son's namesake. This is my, mm. this is my first like grandson that's in front of me here. And it's just such a great thing. And so they were all excited. They were so happy. And eventually, uh, he got back in contact with my mom. Um, you know, this, this entire ordeal lasted for about six weeks when I was in, uh, when I was in Iraq and he told her, he said, you know what, if you want a family together, 
then you need to come here and you need to live with wow. us. Yeah. Hold on. So you were in Iraq for six weeks until your mom found out that's where you were? Or no, no, no. Yeah, the, the entire ordeal was, was over six weeks. So how long I was, until your mom figured out you were in Iraq? Um, I, I don't know the timeline. I can't say that it was very long. But it was it was at least a few days, and that alone is misery enough. Oh yeah, you know? imagine day three of like, right. okay, where the heck is my kid? Right. Yeah. For so me, I... where's my dog? That's how I would have <laughs> related to the situation. <laughs> so I mean, there's 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 uh you know there's a lot of like news articles and things that you could look up if if you felt the need to, uh, where you get like more detailed pictures of everything that happened, but. Um, eventually they got in contact over the phone and over the course of those several weeks, she convinced him, she said, you know what? I'm not going to move to Iraq. I'm not going to do that, but I will go to London and I'll, I'll, I'll have a family with you there. And the difference, you know, is that in Iraq, we had no extradition laws, no, nothing like that. Uh, but in London we did. And this entire like plan of hers to fly to London and get all this was thought up. Because once it had happened, once I was initially kidnapped and she realized what was going on and she uh, she kind of didn't know where to turn, she reached out to the FBI and she got in contact with an organization that was made up of uh, ex-Delta Force members. And this, this group was called Corporate Training Unlimited. Um, it was run by Don Feeney. And they, this, this group, Corporate Training Unlimited, specialized in in kidnapping children back. So this whole like mm. ab abduction abroad thing where like one of these estranged so they're parents. They're Liam Neeson basically. They're, they're, they're totally Liam Neeson. They have a certain um, set of skills. All right. They have, they have a certain set of skills. Their, their entire specialty was like, okay, like if, if one of these parents takes their kids back to a foreign country where, where there's no laws of extradition, where we can't legally get that kid back, then we're going to go in and we're going to kidnap that kid back and take him to the U S because obviously there's no repercussions, right? And right. they'd they'd come under fire for that before. And uh, you know, there's a there was a situation where they tried to do that in Norway. And Don Feeney, the guy who who runs the um, the organization, who was the ex Delta Force member, uh, who was one of them, he got caught in Norway, and he ended up spending two years in in a Norwegian prison because of it. And so anyway, so they, my mom got in contact with all these organizations and she got contact with the FBI and they helped her kind of guide her, um, with the support of, of a lot of people in like Homeland Security and with, with my family, um, they helped her throughout this whole process. And, um, it's kind of funny cause there's, there's recordings now that like my mom has saved these recordings on the phone of she and I talking or is she and, and hate them talking and I've gone back and I listened to them a couple of times. And what's really funny is, uh, you know, you know, the, the Disney movie Dumbo. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> well, so when I was a kid, um, you know, I used to watch a Dumbo all the time and it's, it's so funny to me that this has like such a visceral emotional reaction because when I was on the phone with my mom, there's, recordings of her singing the song from Dumbo. You know that you know where the mom's trapped in the cage and she's like rocking the the little Dumbo like to sleep. I mean, I don't I don't think I've seen the movie since I was like probably when you were kidnapped, but well, I, okay. so, <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> so there's a, there's a scene right where Dumbo's mom gets taken in by the circus mm -hmm. and Dumbo finds her and she's like rocking him in her trunk and she's right. singing to him. Well, when I was a kid, my mom would sing that to me over the mm -hmm. phone. And I don't remember any of this stuff like at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Not at all. But a few years back I went and I saw the Dumbo remake, the Disney remake mm -hmm. where it's like all like live action, CGI, whatever. Right. My mom was like, let's go see it. Come on, let's go see it. And as soon as that scene happened where she like the mom is singing and that song starts playing, I'm like bawling like wow. uncontrollable tears and I have no idea why. And Jeez. I don't like connect the dots until later that like when I was a baby, she was singing this song to me and it's just always stuck like in my subconscious. Like that's that, crazy. That, 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 and so there's like, so, so anyway, anyway, so there's, 
there was a lot of time that went by where she she talked to him over the phone and she convinced him like yeah let's let's meet up in london and we'll have our family there and so the the delta force members were in london the scotland yard were in london the the london like uh, military and police forces got involved um and basically he took he took me onto a bus we went from uh iraq to jordan we got a flight from Jordan to London, and then as soon as we got off the flight, when these undercover uh, agents in Scotland Yard saw me and recognized my picture, they came over, they arrested him, and they were like, hey, Leith, do you want to go see your mom? And I was like, yeah, and they just <laughs> took me to my mom. <laughs> my dad. And that was it. And so they 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 arrested him, and uh, I was reconnected with my family. They sent us all back to the u.s Dude, the, and, the emotion your mom was feeling in that moment as she hugs you i i couldn't imagine you know i see like there's like i said it was it was really big in like the the new york times the la times there's a lot of like pictures where my grandma is like holding me and i'm wearing like an fbi baseball cap oh, that's you know cool. and uh i could just see you could just see it in these pictures like on their faces that my my family was deeply emotionally like like I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine the emotional impact that all right. this had. And me, meanwhile, I'm just playing with Power Ranger toys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm trying because you know, like, I don't. There's no way to zero in on it, but I'm like, well, I've definitely heard this story before. So I'm like, mm. how many times has this happened? I'm, I've definitely heard this story before. I've heard this story before. But I'm like, mm-hmm. was it your story that I heard? I mean, I would have been, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen when this is going down. You said ninety four. 94, yeah. So I'd been 13, 14, so I totally could have aware, been aware of something like this in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, I wonder if this is in my brain because it was you. That's crazy. It, yeah, it could be. I mean, I think, Josh, when your mom first found out, she was like, oh, I think I saw that on the news. Like, she she remembered seeing that on the news. It was either your mom or Kira's mom. Somebody who I think, went... I think Kira's mom. Yeah, when they... Like, there's there's been, there's been countless people who like when they know when they hear that that's what happened they're like oh yeah i totally remember seeing that that's crazy you're the famous kidnapped kid you want a marketing <laughs> and, label and like i said i mean there's like there was a movie uh in 1991 with sally field called not without my daughter and the premise is is very very similar um but it's about a girl and the father abducts the girl and you know uh, he's from iran it's it's very very similar um but it's it it's a maybe your dad watched that frequent. movie and was like you know what this might just work. <laughs> well, what's crazy is that like up and up until then, uh, my mom my mom worked after I got back. She worked with Senator Barbara Boxer from California to pass like a, a, a regulation or something to where when parents take their kids out of the country, they need consent like signed consent forms from both parents to take hmm. them out. Is that and still in effect? Oh yeah, but up until then it wasn't. And so, so Kale, if you wanted to take Marcus to London right now, you couldn't unless Jade gave verbal approval or something. Uh, That's a thing. No, I I don't know. I think I think it because they're still it married. It probably has to do with like custody arrangements. But, yeah, right. Uh, but like when you're just going through like TSA, like who knows? How would they know the difference though? What do you mean? Mm. Like if you're looking at him going da da, and he's got your you know whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't really have ID at that point, so you yeah, I, I didn't even have a passport. I don't know when that becomes necessary. At what age you have to have a passport? But yeah, and I mean, talking about like the early the early nineties, pre nine eleven too. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know the difference in security yeah. laws. And so stuff I don't like know that. how enforcement with that even now would would even work. Yeah. Like, how do yeah. you know that that parent with that child isn't with right. you know the other parent just because they're not there? And maybe it has to do with like the parents being foreign born as well. You know, maybe they have like some type of flag on their passport or something. Yeah. I mean, screw them. Am I right? So anyways, <laughs> but dude, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So after we got back, um, so my, my father went to prison. He was in, uh, he was in prison in the UK for uh, some time. I want to say it was about a year or so. And then he got did bring it back to the States. Too? They did, yeah. So he got extradited back to the U.S. He went to prison for a couple of years there. Oh, okay. Um, and then that's, you know, we changed our names. We moved to Colorado. And, you know, the rest is history. You met my future wife, and then we met, and then look at us. Look at us. 
Look at there us. you go. Yeah. So, you know, if if we really want to get down to brass tacks here, if I had never gotten kidnapped, you would never have gotten married. So That's so thank you, Scrantlin Strangler. You took <laughs> someone else's breath away. <laughs> uh, now you go out and sell that and get yourself a nice spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he actually said that to Elon Musk, and uh, Elon heeded head. He took head. head he, he took he headed. headed. He took look at headed. All, look, at, look at all these references. So, uh, how long was he in prison in the UK? Uh, I I don't. I want to say it was no more than a year, but to be honest, I I don't know. And then, how long was he in prison in the US? Uh, about a couple years. Okay. Yeah. And this is all like vague recollection of a conversation right, right. that I had with him five years ago. Right. So I don't really know. I was about to say to you guys, you guys talk now, but it would seem that. No, I mean, you know, he's so he's got he, he's got a new family, he's got a whole life. So I did I did go out there. I've, I've he went to Colorado. He visited me a couple times. I went out to California once. I took my sister with me. Um, my mom was very upset about that. She did not know that that was going down. But I was Wait, like, she was upset you were going, or that your sister was going. That my sister was there. Oi. And uh, but I, you know, I'm super close with my sister, and she's only a few years younger than we than me. And I'm like, I'm not going to go meet this entire family that knows me, and I don't know them at all by myself. So um, I so would have gone. You didn't even run it by me. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> well, I remember you did tell me like before you reached out to him. I think you were like, "Hey, dude, I think I'm going to reach out to my dad and like talk yeah. to him about it all." And I'm like, well, "You should, because I wish I could talk to my dad." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, the the first time that that he reached out to me that I can remember, because I mean, we changed our names and everything, right? So like, we were completely off the grid. We were totally different people. Um, like myself, my grand, my grandma, uh, my uncle and aunt all of us relocated to Colorado. And then my mom and I, we completely changed our names. So he, what I, what I found out was that he had hired a private investigator to try to find us. And he mm. searched for years, for years and years until he remarried and had his own family. And then he was like, you know what? At, like, I'm going to have to stop this. Like he, they're out there, they're safe, they're living their life. And if it happens and we meet and cross paths again, then great. And, I remember on my 19th birthday, he reached out to me on MySpace. He sent me he sent me a message on MySpace, mm. and it was just you know it was why not send it on a dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the send facts, uh, but, um, but so he sent me a, a message on MySpace, and it was weird because I was like I was freaked out. I knew it was him. I knew who he was. Mm. You know, I've known this whole story my my entire life, and. Still, when I saw that message, I was like, "Mom, like, what should I do about this?" And my mom instantly started crying. Like, she broke down and just started crying. And I was like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna let it go." And then I deleted my MySpace and moved on to Facebook. Dang, how did he find? <laughs> how did he find your MySpace? I don't know. You know, I think it was a combination of like the the private investigator that he hired, the fact that my mom wasn't, you know, incredibly creative when thinking of a new name. <laughs> um, <laughs> But eventually he found me, he found me on Facebook and then, or on, on MySpace. And like I said, at that time when I was 19, I showed my mom, saw her reaction. I was like, okay. So I deleted MySpace and that was it for several years. And then what kind of shifted that was that when I was 26, I saw, you know how when you have LinkedIn, you could see when people view your profile. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw that he was looking at my LinkedIn and I, that's when I talked to you and I was like, dude, I think I'm going to reach out to my dad. Like I see him looking at my stuff. Like I'm 26 years old. Like, what is he going to do? Kidnap me now? Like, right, right. <laughs> you know, um, and like, that's what's the worst that could happen. Yeah. And so that's kind of what set it off. And so, you know, I, I did meet with him. I talked to him a lot. Um, we spoke here and there for, for several months. I went and stayed with his family for a couple of days. He's got two young daughters, which is, was kind of weird. Um, cause they like one of his daughters, Mina looks a lot like me when I was younger and my brother and sister <laughs> yeah. with a beard too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my, my brother and sister, Julian and Davey don't look anything like me. Um, so it was just, it was, it was really weird. It was a very, very strange do they, experience. Does his new wife know? Like, do you, I'm sure he's told yes. her. Yes. Yeah. His new wife knows the whole thing. Um, for me, the thing that hasn't really 
motivated me to keep that relationship alive was that his daughters don't know any of it at all. Mm. They don't even know that I'm their brother. How old are they now? Um, they're not super old, but they're like probably I think under twenty, right? Lena is the older daughter, and she's like thirteen. Uh, but she also has severe special needs. And then Mina is the younger daughter who's probably like 11. Oh. Um, but she's, she, you know, she's a really smart, brilliant girl. Mm-hmm. But I get it. I, to, you know, I, I try to be empathetic and I understand that like, you know, this is a 20 something year old man that you're introducing to your, your young family, right? It's, it's going to be a fairly jarring experience, but also at the same time, I think that if you really wanted to establish a relationship, then you should say, this is my son and this is what's happened. Oh, I think, he didn't introduce you to them as your son. No, to this day, his daughters don't know. His wife obviously knows the whole deal. Right. Um, oh, but, wow. I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah. So that kind of soured me to the whole thing. And after a little while, I just said, you know, I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've gone almost 14 years without a dad. So it, it's yeah. been... It's, you know, it has his ups and downs. So that first <laughs> night, you're you're laying there in his house. Are you thinking, do I need to like bring a gun? <laughs> Should I lock the door? <laughs> no, I mean, man, I was I was like, I never felt like I was in danger or anything, you know? Because like, I mean, I I met my grandma. I met my grandma on on his like his his mom. Mm-hmm. She was living there with him, and when I when he took me to Iraq, she was the one. She was, other than him, oh, yeah. she was the one that primarily took care of me, right? And she, like, spoiled the heck out of me. So when I get there and she she embraces me and she's like, oh, Laith, and, you know, she doesn't speak English. She's speaking mm-hmm. Arabic, and I have no idea what she's saying, but she's, like, kissing me, my hands, and she's rubbing and holding my hands. She's never letting me hey, go. Chill so out, I lady. Just, I don't even know you. <laughs> so, I just, you know, I just feel nothing but love and, and safety and security. Right, right. Um, but it it was definitely a a weird experience, but I think it, it was one that I needed to have, you know? That's cool. You, you, you can say you made amends, you, you reached out, you, you did what you needed to do. And I, I commend you for that. Well, and it's, you know, it's funny cause, um, you know, it's kind of like some of the movies we were talking about on the regular podcast where it's like, you can kind of see the humanity in the bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, uh, trying to identify it with like, my, you know, my, my kids are, are two and three, almost four now. And, um, you know, like putting myself in those shoes. Not that I would, I would uh, talk about like doing horrible things to my wife because I just would never see this happening with her. But it's like it, right. in this situation, it, it'd be hard not to be Liam Neeson and just start stacking bodies, right? Uh, right. If you if you have that particular set of skills, um, right. So, but all that to say, like the move here really was not that it, there there was no impact on you as a kid, mm-hmm. but there was no it, it was. Like he still had nothing but love and good intention for you, right? Right. It's not right. like his his grandma, like your grandma, was in on the plot, right? Like it's not like you know they were right. trying to. It wasn't a Liam Neeson kidnapping. Nobody's trying to sell you into sex slavery. It, you know, it was <laughs> um, out of what he it thought was, was best for you. It doesn't excuse it. Like you know, I don't feel bad for the dude's you know jail time or anything, but. Um, mm-hmm. So it was know, an act of, of ignorance. You can see out the humanity, of desperation, and yeah. love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, that's one thing too. Why I think that I have a really healthy outlook on it because you know, like I told you, I've 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 made connections through um, some other people. One of one of my friends, Eli, who I met after I got back, um, he was also kidnapped by his dad and taken to another country, and. Um, some of those other kids that have all had the same situation and circumstance, my mom and I have been in contact with, you know, the, the, the kids and their, the mom or the dad, um, the one who gets them back. And sometimes there's a very, very negative impact and like mentally, emotionally, the, the relationship between the, the, the parent who helps recover the child and the, and the kid, it's, it's very strained. You know, a lot of these kids have, you know, PTSD or like very severe mental problems and, and, and really like negative outlooks on things because there wasn't a lot of openness about it, you know? And I think that that really contributed to me having a more healthy outlook on everything that's been going on is because thankfully my mom has always been very open and upfront about everything that's going on. 
And the point where I was like, hey, I think I want to get in contact with him again, she was obviously very emotional about it, but she was still understanding and empathetic. And so I think that like when you deal with a traumatic experience, even if you don't consciously recognize it as being traumatic, the best thing, the best way to approach it is with, with openness, right? And honesty. Because otherwise, you're going to be kind of blocked off to a lot of different facts or a lot of different things that contributed to it. And so you're not going to be able to see the bigger picture. And then you're just going to make your own assumptions. Right. Right. You know? Dude, crazy story. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, that's, the, uh, you're like the reverse Ilian Gonzalez. <laughs> who is that? <laughs> that's the little Cuban kid that, uh, like agents snatched out of a closet in Miami under the Clinton administration to, uh, to return to Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> nothing yeah. says God bless America, like forcefully sending a kid back to a communist re- regime at the end of an MP5. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but nothing says God bless America, like rescuing a kid from, you know, uh, less than favorable government. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You know, and it's, you, thank God for, for groups like that though. Like there's, um, man, I wish I could remember the guy's name and the name of the organization, but I, I've heard him interview with Glenn Beck a few times, but there's this guy, gosh, I can't remember if he's like a former federal agent or for formal, former special ops or special forces or all of the above, but a, a dude that heads up and they do work just to, uh, rescue people out of sex slavery. Mm. Right, like it's just it. It's not as well known as it ought to be, but there's more, literally more slavery now in the world than there ever has been in it, in you know known history. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just a, a different guys in a different form and and whatever. But uh, you know, those guys like a lot of those guys like service is just built into them. You know, and it's like they yeah. they they don't stop serving just because they leave the military. So yeah, right. often tends to be the case. So yeah. And that's, you know, what's, you know, what's kind of crazy is like, uh, you know, I, I, I joke with like my family and everybody that knows the situation that that's the reason why I joined the military and it's, you know, it's, it's not true, but one, one thing that has really resonated with me over the years is that since I have joined, um, you know, I was, I was in contact with the, the people that helped get me back, um, just, you know, vaguely through Facebook and my mom kind of knew them, but the amount of like emotional outpour that I've gotten from these guys and these girls, these, these men and women that were a part of these organizations, as soon as I joined the military, they were like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is so crazy. This is so great. Like every, it, 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 it doesn't seem like a lot to me, but it's, it's a lot to them. Yeah. The fact that like they did something that contributed to this happening and it's it it still sticks with them emotionally profoundly to this day. It's cool. It's just yeah, cool to be a part cool. of. Did did any of this from like the actual incident to your your dad's background and nationality? Did that complicate? Because uh, you, I, I know what you do. You have to have a security clearance. I assume it came up. Yeah, <laughs> I got one of those phone calls from those people that have to vet him. Yeah, yeah. And I was like scared. I was in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've. You know, with with my job, the level of security clearance that I had to get, it takes a lot of deep dives, yeah. right? And with me, my dad being foreign born from from Iraq, um, and then having like my whole name change and everything, it was definitely a lot of work. You're a <laughs> to, sleeper yeah. cell to get to get the uh, to get the okay. Right. Iraq was playing like a twenty plus year long game. They're like, Yeah, we're gonna get this kid. <laughs> well Yeah, how are I they mean, how are they doing now? Years. <laughs> you, you say that, but that's really how that stuff goes. I mean they do no, they yeah. do play the long game. You well know. Josh knows, you know, like so like just just from my experience alone, right? So like when I was getting my clearance, I had to put down every single detail. I had to get like my father's certificate of citizenship that he got when he was nineteen, twenty, twenty one, whatever. Um, I I had to reach out to him and get all the like actual copies of the documents and submit them to the army. Um, they had to reach out to all of my like everybody in my past, from literally like the, my my parents to my neighbors to my friends over the course of my entire life. That's why that's part of why they reached out to Josh because they were like, yeah. is this 
is this guy legit? Fingers crossed, you know, once my contract is up, things will work out well <laughs> because of that. But it's just, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work and you have to, you have to qualify. You have to be, you know, you have to be in a good enough position to where they're like, okay, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll let this guy go. And then people still slip through, which just goes to show you how advanced espionage is. Yeah. Oh man, I, I can't even tell you when I took my polygraph test, I was so incredibly nervous and <laughs> it's such a, it's such a crazy, crazy experience. Like I, those things aren't even that accurate though. I mean, they're as far as like being inadmissible in court, they're not right. Because people right. can, can dupe them. They can learn like Dwight Schrute, how to control their heartbeat and their blood flow or whatever. They can raise and lower their heart, <laughs> their blood pressure at will. Why would you well, want to lower it? Or so raise I, it so I can so lower it. So I can it. lower it. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like shoot, man. I mean, if you're in that if you're in that chair, like when I was when I was taking my polygraph test, you know, you are strapped from your waist and your chest and your fingers and your hands, and you have to sit like perfectly still. And you know, that was the f- the first polygraph test that I took. So maybe from others that are more experienced with it, you know, it's not a big deal. But for me, holy crap, that was that was a lot. And I I remember thinking because they asked them one of the questions was about like any friends that you have in foreign countries and stuff like that. And I remember thinking I've got a friend that I play Xbox with who lives in Canada. And they, <laughs> they were like, how often are you in contact with you know foreign people or something like that? And typically, before you do your polygraph test, you have to disclose everything. Was Kira right? living in Japan at the time? Did you have to disclose that? <laughs> no, no. Um, but that was something in the back of my mind. Like, oh, crap, I didn't talk about so-and-so who I play video games with in Canada. And like that made me super, super nervous. And then he detected that I was nervous. And when he asked me at the end of it, he was like, hey, so when I asked you about foreign so-and-sos, you kind of had this on the thing. And I was like... Oh, uh, well, I mean, to be honest, I got a friend who I play Xbox with who lives in Canada, and he's like, oh, okay, all right. Canada doesn't but, count. Canada, but it's that's like, America's hat. It, Canada, Canada, not another country. But, <laughs> but what's so mind-blowing is something as simple as a friend in Canada, that, you know, that's in the back of my mind as, uh-oh, and they detect it. They see yeah, it, and, yeah. you know? So maybe they're not admissible in court, but they're you know they see well they're i mean they're admissible to the agencies that use them they don't play around and that it's really right. about the operators over the equipment and man they're they're good i've never done a legit poly but i've uh, been able to play with and then had to go through voice stress analysis before mm. which is arguably just as accurate and a lot of uh, like the intelligence agencies will use them and it's it it's what it sounds like. It's just voice stress analysis. But man, so I got to play with it as a police explorer because I was I was super cool. So the um, department I was volunteer for, they, fire they department. One. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there are fire explorers, but I was a I was a police explorer. Um, and then at one point, I was in an interview process uh, for a police department for a program they were doing, and had to do voice stress analysis based on that. And it's yeah, it's crazy what it will and won't pick up on. So same so thing. what. It, so what it, is that? Is it like a super accurate microphone that picks up like inflections yeah, in your it's, voice? Yeah, it's I I don't know uh, you know uh, what all the dynamics are into what it's reading, but I remember seeing that the graph strip that it points points out, and basically like if you're given a truthful answer, it gives these nice round humps in the graphs, hmm. and if there's an issue with your answer, it'll kind of square it off. Uh, huh. And and the, and then it's the same thing. It's you know the operators play a lot into it, so they'll pick up more minute things. Um, and I, I had a very similar thing and it was, it was something like, have you ever stolen anything worth more than a thousand dollars from an employer or worth a thousand dollars or more or whatever? And I, <laughs> and I hadn't ever, ever, ever. Uh, but had I taken things from employers, not in a theft sense, but in the sense of like, oh, my, pen, my pen went home with me <laughs> or like, I, I, I remember this because this is part of what was in my head. I'm like, I had previously worked at SeaWorld and this was, I don't know, a few years before this. And I still had my uniforms. Like I hadn't returned them. And that's the, that's the kind of stuff. Like you're thinking about your Canadian <laughs> friend. I'm not thinking about things worth a thousand dollars or more. I'm thinking about anything I have ever taken from an employer that wasn't mine. <laughs> like, you know, did I get a, a large fry with my lunch at Chick-fil-A when I was only supposed to get a medium? But that right. thing, like those minor things that very were very much were not a violation of the question I was being asked, 
that like hyperactive response in my brain of like, man, well, did I take enough that it would have added up to a thousand? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and it it one hundred percent like how he's many like, large fries equal a thousand dollars? He's like that one a thousand. He's like that one tripped you up. What was going on there? I'm like, man, I'm just racking my brain trying to think of anything, and if it added up, he's like. That's not the spirit of the question. I'm like, honestly, dude, I think if you had asked a million, I, my response probably would have looked the same because just the right, like the fact that there's ever been anything now just freaks me out. Um, so yeah. that kind of tech, it's just, it's just, it's pretty, it's, cool. it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really really cool. And like, you know, take take it for what it's worth. When they say, you know, yeah, people can manipulate it or not. I think that those who are able to mean to manipulate that type of technology are those that are very well versed in how it works. And those people that are that at that level, they're, they're unique. They're yeah. few and far you between. You may or may not need to be sociopaths. an actual sociopath. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. You're not going to beat it with a tack in your shoe. That's not really a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. But, well, well I want to go to bed now. I'm, I'm glad you're not in Iraq and that, we're listing Adam as our guest and not Lathe. Yeah, you, yeah. You could have been stranded at the airport. Well, no, that's Afghanistan. Never mind. I was say, you could have been at the airport recently, but no. Never mind. Oof. Oh, too soon. soon. Come on, guys. Keep it professional. Yeah, Iraq's looking nice oh, now. <laughs> yeah. Who would have yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Hey, I'll take a post-war Iraq. Yeah. Rest easy. So, boy... Yeah, speaking of the the Green Berets, some of those boys have been doing God's work in Afghanistan these past few weeks. So, well, yeah. you you wouldn't have heard that, Adam, but Go Rucks actually been doing some stuff to support, um, you know, the Save Our Allies guys and Operation Pineapple and stuff. But they raised, uh, Josh, like uh, almost just shy of one hundred ninety thousand uh, dollars. Oh wow! That went to that cause. So that's, that's cool. dope. On that note, Adam, thanks for coming on. Thanks for. Uh, for sharing your your deeply troubling and traumatizing story for our entertainment, <laughs> we always appreciate that. Um, My pleasure. We're always happy to exploit someone's trauma for our well, not for our entertainment for the for the listeners. Right. Anything so. that is trauma to me is ad revenue for you, and I am a proud to be a part. Yep. yep. Now we're talking. Heck so. yeah, brother. So Semper Fi, bro. <laughs> That's Marines. Adam, thanks for coming on. As always, we'll get you back on totally. here with uh, with Mike Redacted soon. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the flippity flip. All right. See y'all. We're out. Farewell. Farewell.